How many of you guys made uh, New Year's resolutions? You actually tried to make some, some resolutions. That's good. That's good. Um, how many of you guys are still on track with the resolutions? Where's all the hands? Good. You guys are going for it. Um, <clears throat> one, of my, one of my new things, well, I, I have a few new, new Year's resolutions and some new things I'm doing. Obviously, I shaved the beard. Yeah? You guys noticed that? I know. It's sad. It was like an old friend. It's like, oh, bye. I'll miss you. Um, I shaved it. I woke up. I thought, thought I was going to keep it for Japan. I'm going to Japan in the snow, and I'm like, I want to be warm and woolly, and I'm going to keep it. And I just, I woke up on Monday morning, and I just decided, you know what, spontaneous shaving, it's just time to go. And I shaved it off, but it was hard to let it go, so I left it on the table <laughs> downstairs on the lanai because it's separation anxiety. Yeah, it's like, oh, but I love you. And so it was there in all of its manly glory, cruising on the table. And, we went out to the beach, and my wife had no idea, and, and I just left it there. Um, we went to the beach with Pastor Rod Plummer and his family that, were, that spoke last week. Wasn't that a blessing, what he spoke with us? Um, but anyway, we, we took him jet skiing and hung out and stuff, and um, I guess my wife told me that at lunch, we, we took him to the shrimp trucks and Kahuku and gave him the whole experience, and uh, the, the son, Monty, who's 19, he asked uh, my youngest, Sammy, he's three years old, and said, hey, Sammy, uh, where'd your dad's beard go? And she said, oh, it's at home on the table. And he's like, what? <laughs> and it, sure enough, it was. But my wife uh, couldn't handle it. She came home. She's like, sick, what is that? I'm like, I'm just having a hard time letting it go. And she cleaned it up and got it out of there. But New Year's resolutions, you make changes. Yeah, you do new things in your life. What is some of the stuff you guys um, propose to yourself, to your family, to God? I'm going to start doing this this year. I want to hear some of those resolutions. Come on, anybody. Come on. What is that? I love this woman and what her New Year's resolution is. Continue not drinking. How many days are you on, Barb? 75. 75 days sober. Can we give it up? Awesome. Somebody else, what is your New Year's resolution? Eat more veggies. Anybody else in the house eat more veggies? That's never been mine and it never will be. Somebody else. Stop swearing. That's a good one. That's a, that's a, how many of you guys would say, ooh, that's a hard one. That's a hard one to do. Come on. We're real people, right? Okay, anybody else? Let's hear some more. Any more? Cycle 25 miles a day. What? Cycle 25 miles a day? Wow. You been doing it five days a week? Oh, you were. <laughs> I did it for one day and it didn't work out. You've been doing it for, okay, keep it up, man. Like you said, five days a week, cycling this many miles, this many, you know, and, and what does it mean to, uh, to eat healthy? Well, cut out all junk food, you know, like you actually have a plan, it's specific, you have guidelines, you know exactly how to do it, and the other thing you need is you need accountability. Can you, can you guys say amen to that one, amen. right? You need accountability, we need someone else going, hey, how you doing on that? Oh, uh, right, we need that. And what we're doing today as we're opening up a new series um, that we're going to be going through. We're going into 1 Corinthians, the book of 1 Corinthians. If you guys have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians. And Paul, who we recently saw throughout Acts and all his journeys, on the way he had helped start a church in the city of Corinth, and now he's writing letters. He's, he's a few years later, and he's writing letters because he heard that this church had this purpose of glorifying God, of being the church, the hands and feet of Jesus Christ in this world and loving God and loving others and making disciples the goal that we all have as churches, right? As, as individuals, Christians, and they'd gotten off track. They'd kind of been making mistakes and they'd kind of lost their way and they got confused a little bit. And so they needed to have a plan. They needed some instructions 
like with New Year's resolutions, and they needed some accountability, someone speaking into their life and holding them accountable to acting like the church that God created them to be. And this is where we're picking up the story. And the, the title of the sermon today and really the, the series is called Church on Track. And Paul is writing this to a local church saying, guys, this is what a church that believes in Jesus Christ and his mission and his purpose, this is what you should look like. And he's writing real practical instructions. You're going to see as we go through the weeks here, he's talking about marriage. He's talking about um, having unity with one another, how to get along with one another. He's talking about like you heard of the Holy Spirit. He's got gifts. Well, here's how the gifts come into play and here's how you should use them and you should flow in the power. Just some practical stuff. There's sin in the church. What do we do with it? And Paul's writing all these instructions, practical stuff, and he's holding them accountable. So I want to give you guys a little bit of the background on where we're going to be for the next series here. Um, a little bit about the background of the church at Corinth. And I actually have a map, if we're, we're ready with that map, to show you what, where Corinth was in Bible times at the time of Paul. And we're going to take a look at that really quick. And I got my handy-dandy laser pointer here. There it is. Oh, man. Okay. I don't know if you guys can see. See that little guy? Little light? Yep. That's Corinth right there. Right on this little isthmus. Can you guys say isthmus? It's a weird word, yeah? It's like Christmas, but Isthmus. Anyway, it's right on this little Isthmus, which my light can barely see, that this, uh, this whole area right here is modern-day Greece. It was called Achaia at the time of the Bible writing. And Corinth was this key city because it connected, like, it was a seaport for the body of water. I think anything goes. We're in this big major trade center, and everybody just do whatever. It's kind of like the ancient Vegas or something, right? Like Vegas is kind of today, like, wow, it's known for just whatever. Um, this is kind of what the city of Corinth was all about. Um, they had a lot of pride, greed, a lot of intellectualism. Athens was about 50 miles away. Athens was like the center of philosophy and sharing new ideas and, and intellectual thought and all of this stuff. So that was seeping in over into Corinth too. So people were like, well, I think this, I think this. Well, I'm smarter than you. I'm better than you. So there's a lot of pride, a lot of egos, a lot of just arrogance. And all of this was this greed and just anything goes, anything's available to satisfy your, your instant gratification desires. All of this, this is the setting of Corinth. And so it was tough. It was a miracle in itself that there was even a Christian church in this city. It was just a miracle alone that Paul was able to start something where people were living for the Lord in this kind of a messed up society in this type of a city. So that was amazing in itself. Um, Paul had been there. Paul's experience is he had been there on his second missionary journey, as he read in the book of Acts. He had been to Corinth. He had... Uh, Met Priscilla and Aquila, who were tent makers like him. You guys remember that story we talked about? They were Christians. He stayed with them for about 18 months. He was teaching in the Jewish synagogues every day, saying, hey, everything you know about the Old Testament, it's true, it's good, but it's been fulfilled in this man, Jesus Christ. And now there's a better way. There's a relationship. It's not about law anymore. It's about this love and this relationship. Jesus didn't come to destroy or, or throw away the law. He came to fulfill it. There's something more. And so he'd go every day and reason in the synagogue with these Jews. And after a while, they're just like, we don't want to hear it anymore. So he goes next door to this guy named Titius Justice. And he began to hold church in this guy's house, who was a believer. And he started this little church there. We know that Apollos later on went there and he ministered. So we know that there was this existing church that was in this city of Corinth. And now later on, what's happened is Paul is getting word. It's a few years later. Paul's on his third missionary journey. He's staying in the town of Ephesus for about three years. And towards the end of his stay there, he starts hearing of rumblings and trouble over in the city of Corinth. 
He's heard that, that people are saying, hey, they've gotten off track. Paul had wrote, wrote him some, them some type of a previous letter. We don't have any track of that letter, but Paul mentions it in 1 Corinthians. He goes, hey, my previous letter. We don't have record of that letter. But he was writing to instruct them about some things. They got confused. What was happening to them was they were beginning to blend in with the society around them. And Paul is writing this letter to say, you're supposed to be, represent Jesus Christ. You're supposed to be different. You're supposed to hold to the values that you started with. You've kind of blended and you've let the world creep in. Anybody here ever face that dilemma? Oh man, the world is kind of creeping in. I'm trying to be a Christian, but they on track. Let me just make sure we got it right. Let me give you some instructions. So it's kind of exciting when you look at this that, that there's no church that is perfect, okay? There's no church. We're all trying to be on track. And this church, you guys notice, because maybe some of you have been to other churches, we deliver the message maybe a little bit differently in style. Or maybe our music's a little different in style. Or maybe the way that we, we have a heart for certain things is kind of different than other churches that you've been to. But the bottom line is that Paul is trying to say, this applies to any church because these are the things that shouldn't differ in churches. You might have a different worship leader, and all that's great, but that's just style and delivery. That doesn't, that's not a big deal. But what's the big deal is what Paul is saying is, are you guys living this way? Are you confronting sin in this way? Are you getting along with one another in this way? Because all the other stuff is the little non-essentials and that's, that's style and preference. But here's the things that are unarguable. This is the stuff that God is saying, this is who I want my people to be. You guys got it? So that's the picture of Corinth. That's where we're at. That's the city he's talking to. But he's also talking to us, Hope Chapel, Kanye Bay. And he's talking to you in your individual lives as a Christian, a follower of Christ, someone that represents Jesus Christ in this world. So we're getting into it right now, and we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 1. And the first part of these notes, I just put, know your calling. He says this in verse 1. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from our brother Sosthenes. So there's a little bit more behind the scenes than Paul just going, I'm writing this letter, and just to let you know who's writing it, it's me, Paul, and it's my friend Sosthenes. But what you got to pick up here is when he says, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. If you read the other letters that Paul wrote to the other churches, Colossians, Galatians, Thessalonians, Philippians, all of those letters that he wrote, you notice that time after time, Paul always starts off his letters by saying, hey, this letter is from Paul, and then he always inserts, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, here's what we know about Paul. Paul knew his calling. Paul knew who he was. He didn't just write, hey guys, it's me, Paul. Here's what's going on. He always said, hey, it's me, Paul, and here's my calling. I'm chosen to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. He knew who he was. He knew his calling, and he was letting everybody know. He's claiming it. He's having accountability with them. He's, he's allowing them to know that this is who I am. This is what I stand for. The word apostle simply means a messenger or one that is sent out for a specific purpose. Since his time of conversion, when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus and he was blinded and he heard a voice from heaven, Paul clearly knew this is what I'm called to do. I'm called to go around and to take these missionary journeys and to plant churches and to be a messenger and start this stuff up. He claimed it. He knew his calling. Then there's Sosthenes. What we know about Sosthenes, his name means safe in strength. And, and it says this, they accuse Paul of persuading people to worship God in ways that are contrary to our law. In other words, they said, you're not doing things the way that we do them, and so we don't like you, so we're going to arrest you. It says in verse 14, but just as Paul started to make his defense, Gallio turned to Paul's accusers and said, listen, you Jews, if this were a case involving some wrongdoing or a serious crime, 
I'd have a reason to accept your case. But since it's merely a question of words and names and your Jewish law, take care of it yourselves. I refuse to judge such matters. And he threw them out of the courtroom. He goes, basically, this is just about you Jews. You know, I'm a Roman governor. I don't want it. You're not breaking any laws. This is just you Jews bickering over your little religion. So don't worry about it. But then here's the interesting thing. Verse 17. The crowd, that means the, the Greeks in the area, they then grabbed Sosthenes, the leader of the synagogue, and they beat him down right there in the courtyard. Basically, they said, you know what? You brought this guy. You brought the charges. We're sick of you complaining, blah, blah, blah. Let's just beat you up and get you out of here. And they kicked him out, right? So, and it says, but Gallio paid no attention. So this is the interesting thing. Sosthenes used to be Paul's enemy. In fact, he took a beat down for Paul, so he had reason to be mad at him. But here's what I want you to see. Somewhere along the road now, this is about three years later, Sosthenes became a believer. Sosthenes found Jesus. He found the Almighty God. He found relationship. He found grace. He found forgiveness. And now he's over here, and he's Paul's brother, and he's helping write this letter to instruct the church. If that's not a, a picture of grace, I don't know what is. Some of you guys come in here to church daily, weekly, whatever, and maybe it's your first time here today, and you're just going, you know, I don't know if God really wants anything to do with me. I was kind of a bad guy. I did this before. I, you know, I'm not 100%. I'm not there yet. And look at this picture of Sosthenes. Fully came against Paul, God's enemy, Paul's enemy. But over a course of time, something happened. God got a hold of him. Now Sosthenes knows his calling, and he's going, I'm partnering with Paul. I'm standing up for the gospel. This is cool. God has forgiven me. Isn't that good? Uh, a good picture of forgiveness. But both of these guys, either way you look at it, they knew their calling. And if you remember last week, Pastor uh, Rod, he spoke about starting churches in Tokyo. And he's been in Tokyo for nine years. If you remember, he said he recently started a new church about 500 miles away up north in Sapporo, right? And his son, his 19-year-old son, Monty, said, you know what, I think this is what God's calling me to do. I'm going to leave my family, go 500 miles away, move up north where it's cold and all of this, and I'm going to get involved with starting this church in Sapporo. And he said that his son, Monty, 19 years old, has now become the worship director, the music director, like the overseer of the music ministry at this small church. But this is what I picked up is this shining the light of Christ. And you need to see that that's the calling I have for you. The calling I have for you is to step out, Carl, and be a better husband and a better father to the best of your ability. Isn't that good? It's a simple calling, but here's Paul and Sosthenes. They knew the will of God for their lives. What is God saying? You know, I have willed you to be chosen by me to do this in your life. What is your calling? Paul claimed it every letter he wrote. I'm called to be an apostle, a messenger of God for Jesus Christ. What is your calling? And he goes on and he goes in Second in uh, 1 Corinthians 1, 2, he says, to be set apart. He says, I'm writing to God's church in Corinth. In other words, he's reminding him, remember, you're, you're God's church. He, you belong to him. To you who have been called by God to be his own holy people. He made you holy. Say holy. Holy, this is the point I want you to get. He says, God has called you to be his holy people. He's made you holy by means of Jesus Christ, as he did for all people everywhere who call in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. The word holy is not a religious word. It's not a church word. It simply means in the original language, in the Greek, it means set aside for a special purpose. It means set apart. And so if, if someone says, hey, you're real holy, and you go, no, 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 no I'm, not, I'm not very religious, I'm not this. No, every one of us, if, we'd, if we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're holy. We're set apart for a specific use. How many of you guys have something in your house, think about it right now, in your house, your garage, your room, whatever, 
that is holy and set apart only for you. No one else gets to use it. Anybody, can you think of something like that? What, what is something in your house, anybody, that is, hey, that's mine. No one else messes with it. Anybody? Let me hear something. Coffee cup. You got your own. Yeah, how many get your own? That's my mug. Don't touch it. I don't want your lipstick marks on it. I don't want to get your hand off that thing. What else? What else do you got that's holy? Surfboard, right? There's, uh, you know, there's, I'm like that too. I'll loan out all the other 20 boards, but this one, no way. That's, sorry, that's mine. What else is, is holy in your house? Your shaver? Yep, probably everyone's like, that. go ahead and keep that. That's all you. But how many of you guys would say toothbrush? Oh, absolutely, right? Or, sorry uh, to offend if any of you guys are like, you love each other so much. I don't know, but for me, nobody, hey, that thing, I don't care, you know, that only goes in my mouth, sorry. But we have things that are set apart to only us, right? Like nobody uses this thing. And here's God, I want you to catch this, this is pretty heavy. Whenever God uses the word holy in the Bible, he's simply saying, that's set apart specifically for me. And he's telling this church, he's reminding them, guys, you're getting watered down with the world and the society and, and all of the, the things, that the, the dollar signs and the different religions and all those, and about forgiveness and about, about the holiness of God. And we don't want to just kind of blend in with the rest of the world. Paul writes in Romans 12 too, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We are called to make a stand that says, I belong to God. Sorry, world, I don't belong to your system. I don't belong to all the things you're trying to sell me because I'm making a stand for God. You know that, that quote that says, if you, don't, um, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for everything or you'll fall for anything. That's so true, right? We choose to stand for God so that we don't fall for all the deceptions and this, the stuff that this world has to offer, but we, we're set apart. I'm God's toothbrush. He only brushes with me, right? I mean... <laughs> Every single one of us has our own specific purpose in his kingdom and in his use. And he's saying, don't be like the rest of the world. No, you guys are special. You're called to, to be set apart, to be holy. Isn't It's a good word here this morning. Um, someone that I've seen recently in the media and the news, and I'm like not the biggest sports fan here. I surf and there's a couple things that I follow. But one of the guys that I like is Tim Tebow. You guys have seen Tim Tebow? We got, a, we got some pictures of him up here. We got some pictures of Tebow. This is some of the stuff that he does to say, I don't stand for this world. I'm in it, but I'm not of it. There's something that I live for that's higher and greater. And this is one of the things he was doing in college is he was putting scriptures on his eye paint. He's got Psalms 23.1 up there. Um, where's another one? And another example of it. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Here's a guy that's saying, look, I follow the Lord. He's the, the one that I stand for, and I'm playing the game, and I'm doing all of this in the world, but I'm not of this world. Isn't that cool? But this was in, in uh, while he was with the Florida Gators, that they made a rule in the NFL, you're not allowed to put messages on your, your paint anymore. So he can't do that anymore, but he does other things to show that who he serves and who he stands for, right? Where's the next picture? The Tebowing, right? Anybody, you heard about that? Tebowing, right? It's, it's this new phenomenon. It's on YouTube and stuff that people take pictures all around the world and they do the, the pose, right? I'm, what are you doing? I'm Tebowing, right? It's like planking or something like that, right? But you guys heard of that, planking? Yeah, no, you guys don't? Okay. Here's a guy that says, I stand for something bigger and better. I'm used for God. I'm holy unto him. I'm set apart. I don't have to blend in. 
You don't have to make me. And all of his players and people like criticize him. Hey, why do you talk so much about God? And why you got to do your T-bowing? And why you do you know, all these scriptures? And why you do all of this stuff? And he goes, it's the most important thing in my life. Why wouldn't I talk about it? It means the most important to me. My mission trips, my, my father's a pastor, all this stuff he says. He goes, it's, it's amazing because he's a little bit better. He's a little bit bigger. He's above everything else. So we need to stand apart. We need to look different. Then he says, may God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. And he says this often in his letters. Paul just goes, hey, I'm putting on you, I'm blessing on you, I'm speaking over you a blessing of grace and peace. These are two powerful words that we don't take for granted just because, oh yeah, grace and peace, Paul always says that. No, he's saying it because he means it. Because grace is the undeserved kindness and favor of God. It's the power of God to bring us to salvation. Grace is this huge, powerful thing that we don't deserve. It's a gift, but it changes our lives. Grace is, comes into play when we give our requests and our prayers to God. God, help me with my homework assignment. God, help me to be a better dad. God, help me, you know, whatever. And God's grace says, as a free gift to you because I love you, you don't deserve this, I'm going to answer prayers in your life. Grace is powerful stuff. It's the power of forgiveness. It's, it's power in our lives. And then he says, and peace. And the word peace here means harmony with others, but it also means personal prosperity, satisfaction, rest, and peace, knowing that my life is good. I'm where God wants me to be. I'm in his will. He's in control. And ah. Oh, I can just take a breath and I can get through this life. I can get through this problem. And he's saying, guys, I want, to re- I want you to receive the grace and peace. Receive the grace and peace. But see, there's a problem. Sometimes we hear that and we don't receive it, right? We just go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we forget that we need to take the time to just go to God and receive his grace and peace. I was, I was reading scripture recently and I was looking. Um, I found a verse in Luke 5, 16 that basically says, in my own words, that Jesus often slipped away from the crowds to spend time with the Lord. It says Jesus often would slip away into the wilderness or into the the desert places or into the lonely places just to pray, just to say, God, it's time for me to recharge. I need to receive that grace and peace right now. And Paul is going, I'm speaking grace and peace over you. And you as Christians, as the church, us, you should speak that over other people as well. But as you speak it over other people, learn to accept it yourself. Learn to come to that place where, you know what, like for me, I go in the shower every day and that tunes everything else out and everything, that's my place to pray. I love praying in the shower. I don't know why I'm just like there and God is with me and everything else is drowned out and it's just like, okay, God, I got to charge up for the day. I need your grace. I need your peace. I need to spend some time with you. And Paul's going, hey, accept the grace and peace that God makes available. Remember that you need to do that to focus and to clarify and to get into that place. That uh, one of my New Year's resolutions as we're talking about grace and peace and and Paul offering that to us, is that we would learn to offer that to other people. One of my New Year's resolutions was, I want to pray over someone, bless someone every single day of this year. And not just pray for people in my own, because that's the eloquent words and all of your knowledge. Apparently the church at Corinth was known for being good speakers and being able to share the word of the Lord. They had eloquent speech and they had good knowledge. God was giving them knowledge about himself. They were being equipped or they were having words of knowledge, like words that they didn't know about people, but God is downloading through them, speaking things into people's lives. And he goes, look, it shows. God's blessing you with all these gifts. I see it in your eloquent speech and your knowledge. He says, this confirms that what I told you about Christ is true. Hey, remember all I preached to you about Jesus Christ? I said he was going to do this for you. You hold on to him. He's going to enrich you with all these gifts. And then he takes it a step further. He says this in verse 7, which is a key verse for us. Now you have every spiritual gift you need as you eagerly wait for the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's reminding them 
that to get through this life successfully, to serve God, to be a blessing to others, to, to do the purpose of what he's called you to do, you already have everything you need. Do you guys know that? You already have everything you need to live a successful life. That doesn't mean I better stop going to church and I've got everything. No, but he's saying you have the word of God. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You have salvation. You have all of these spiritual gifts that I've given you. You already have everything that you need to get through whatever situation you're going through. When's the last time you actually took the time to remind another Christian that they already have the answer to all their problems? You know, so many times we come, we sympathize with people. Oh, you're going through a rough time. I can, I can totally sympathize. I know I've been through rough times too. And you know what? I'll pray for you. But we need to remind each other, you know what? You're victorious already. You've already won. You've already overcome that stuff. Yeah, I know you're hurting and, that, and life sucks and it's hard. But guess what? God says you've already got everything you need. Open up the word and look for answers right there. You already have the Holy Spirit wor working inside your life. Pray. Ask God. He's on your side. He's waiting for you to ask for your needs because he wants to bless you. You're his kid. He loves you. Isn't that good? We need to go around and stop going, oh, well, we better pray because the answer is out there somewhere and hopefully God will reveal it. We got to start reminding one another that everything that we need, we already have. We just got to tap into this stuff. And see, there, there comes a time in our lives when we possibly need to realize that there's nothing new out there. There's nothing new under the sun. And see, as Christians, sometimes myself included, I get fired up on, on things that feed into Christianity, but like I get focused on pastors, spiritual leaders. Oh man, those guys got all the answers. Those guys are awesome. I, I looked at them. Oh, I read this new book. This book is so good. It's amazing. I need to read more books. I got to go to the seminar, the conference. All of that's good if I remember that all of that is just feeding back into the basics of what I already have. Amen? That I don't go around and start following other, other pastors and leaders and going, becoming groupies and like, I better write down everything they say. No, because if I have the right perspective, everything I'm reading in books and pastors and seminars is going right back to the word of God which I already have. Already going back to the power, the spirit of God, which is already... Focus on the stuff in your house that you need. Give the rest away because it might bless someone else. Someone else somewhere might just be going, I need one of those. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. I wish... Oh, Pastor Carl, give it to me, right? And there may be stuff in, 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 our, in our houses. But think about this, because this is the, the Corinthian church. They were starting to go, oh, we believe in Jesus Christ, but, well, the Aphrodite thing seems kind of cool. I could get into a little bit of that in the temple over there. And, wow, there's a lot of taverns, and I could go for this kind of stuff. And we're hearing all these new thoughts and philosophies coming from Athens. Let's go dabble. We need all this extra stuff. And there may be some thoughts and ideas and beliefs in your life that God's going, that may be good stuff, but that's not God stuff. There may be some friends you have, some relationships you have, they're good, but they're not of God. And you need to cut and prune and get rid of the stuff that's the extra, that's just simply a distraction in your life, the stuff we believe about ourselves. Well, God makes me happy in all this, but you know what? I'm never fully relaxed and at peace until I'm drunk. Because I hear people tell me that excuse. Really, God is good, but really this one gets me there a lot faster. Really? God's saying that he can offer you peace the world doesn't understand, that alcohol doesn't understand. He can offer you something that's better than that other stuff out there. But we choose to believe God and stuff, right? Well, I believe that God can do a great work in me, but you know what? I have these certain attitude problems that are always going to be there. They've always been there, so that's just who I am. God's going, oh, that's extra stupid thoughts that you don't need in your life. Read the word. I can change anyone's heart. I can change anyone's life. I can change anyone's attitude. Am I getting through today? And what he's saying is there's extra stuff, and you don't need all of this extra stuff. Be holy. Be set apart. Stay on track. 
you have all that you need already in the Lord, in your relationship with him, in the word of God, and get rid of the, the meaningless extra stuff. Prune your life a little bit. And then he just says this in verse 8. He will keep you strong to the end. And in the message version, I like it because it says he will keep you steady and on track. It means that, that we may waver a little bit here and there, but we keep coming back. We keep coming back on track and that we're going to finish strong. That, we, that we're going to live this whole life out saying, I live my best to stay on track. At Hope Chapel, we got lots of ideas and lots of vision and there's a lot of places we still want to go. We want to go bigger. We want to be a church of 5,000. Some of our short-term goals are we want to be a church of 5,000 so we can keep cranking out more pastors and missionaries and small groups and doing all of this stuff. We want part of my heart for this church is that somehow, some way, every single Christian could go on some type of a short-term mission trip just so you get a, an influence, an idea of the rest of the world around you and the need for Christ and the, the fact that we live in a, a society where we got everything that we need. We think we do, right? Go somewhere else to see how people live differently and just get a good perspective of the world. There's a lot of vision as our time setters pastor and as our, as our uh, uh, what do we call it? What was, what was Augie's title? What? He's, he's the maintenance and he cared for the grounds and the facilities around here. But if you know Augie, he did a lot more than that. He invested in people's lives and he helped build people's lives up. But these two guys, this retirement party last night, I'm just thinking, this is awesome. I'm, I'm, I'm here celebrating not just staff guys, but these guys are legends in Hope Chapel. Al Kalama has been our most successful mini church planting shepherd over all the years. And there's a lot of young guys that are fired up and we're like, we're going to start more mini churches and get a mini church for everybody. And Al Kalama just over there quietly on the side, puts his head down, puts his shoulder, puts his works into the task and just says, I'm going for God and I'm just going to keep on starting many churches and planting new many churches, starting them and handing them off, raising up leaders and he just keeps on starting groups because he believes in the purpose and the calling and he finished well. And I was there and I was just honored and proud of these men in my life and I'm like, man, they're modeling it to me. But here's Paul saying it to us that, G that God will keep you strong to the end if you walk in partnership with the Lord Jesus Christ. See, that's how we get there. It's that this Christianity thing, it's a process. It's not an event, right? You don't become a Christian and then you kind of kick back. It's that it's an ongoing thing. I'm staying on track. I'm in this till the end. I'm just going to keep on going and I can't wait to see what happens. I'm going to finish strong. But the way I do it isn't by going, well, I need Jesus every once in a while in my life, so I'll pull him in when I need him. It's that you're constantly walking Shoulder to shoulder with Jesus. It says right here the word partnership with his son, Jesus Christ. It means a fellowship, a companionship, a friendship. It means that everything you do, I heard a, a quote from someone this week that said, I don't pray longer than five minutes, but I don't let five minutes go by without praying. He says that it's not about, oh, well, every once in a while I need God. It's that you're constantly talking to him. Hey, God, thank you for this right now in my life. Oh, God, can you help me with that right now? Hey, God, this is really good. And you're just constantly in this partnership. It's me and Jesus through this life. That's how you win. That's how you don't get off track because he won't let you off track because you're walking step by step with him. Is that good? Yeah. That we stay with him constantly. It's not a time-to-time -time thing. And this is, this is what it is. It means to hold on strong. As I was listening to one of the songs that Trevor sang this morning, and worship was just really great this morning, but... What is that song called, the Inside Out song? Is that called Everlasting or From the Inside Out? Okay, but here's, here's the words that I focus on that I love in this song. It says, to God, your will above all else. My purpose remains. The art of losing myself in bringing you praise. That's what it means to be on track as they keep coming back to serve you. And as we live for you, you clearly are at work in our lives. 
Lord, no matter what we think we're doing with our career, our jobs, our school, our friends, or all that, Lord, there's a bigger purpose. We're set apart for you. We're supposed to look differently. We're supposed to claim it, to not be ashamed of it. Lord, we're supposed to just, just show the world that there's a better way. Offer hope to people. Hope Chapel, Father God. That's what we want to do. And as we're praying here today, Father God, we just ask that you would change us into people of hope, people that are quick to give away grace and peace, people that would readily stand up for you and, and for who you are in our lives. Lord, I know that there might be a couple people here today. You came here today and you're just like, you know, what you're saying here, Pastor, it makes sense and I need to get my life right with God and I want to know that, that I am set apart and that he could move in my life and he has power to forgive me and to change me and to just do all kind of good stuff in my life. Now that's you here today and you're just kind of saying, you know what, I've never really made this commitment to God, but I, I, it's time I do. It's time I make a commitment to say, God, here's all of me that he would forgive me and accept me and love me and call me his kid and I could, I could not worry about death, knowing that I'll go to heaven for, the, for my eternity, spend it with you and with God and with the family of Christ. And if you're sitting here today and you're just saying, I, I want that, I want to change my life eternally, then I'd like to say a prayer with you. I'd like to simply give you the opportunity that I could have the privilege of leading you into a prayer that would make things right with God once and for all, that would get you into the family, that would get you into his presence, that you could begin to move and change your life and do incredible stuff in your life. And if that's what you'd like to do, I'd like to say a simple prayer with you right now. And it's uh, basically the prayer of your heart. The words we're going to speak out loud, I'm going to say them out loud. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you pray out loud in front of all these people. But I'm just going to ask that you would agree with me in your heart of hearts to pray these words that I'm going to say out loud for you so that you could have a relationship with God, so that you could know you're a Christian, that you could know that God is in your life and he's blessing you and he's going to change your life and do something incredible with it. And if that's what you'd like to do, everyone around you has their eyes closed and their heads bowed, but if you'd like to pray that prayer, I'm going to count to three and I'm going to ask that you would just raise your hand when I count to three and just let me know, hey, pastor, I want to pray that. I want to be a Christian. I want God to change my life from this day forward. Is that good? If that's you right now, everyone's got their eyes closed, their heads bowed, but for you, on the count of three, just raise your hand. One, two, three. Go ahead and raise those hands. If there's anyone in the house today, I'm looking around. And if I can't see you, just kind of wave at me. I'm looking right now. Anybody. The greatest decision you'll ever make. I'm looking. I don't see any hands. 